0: Hello and welcome to Diversity in Research, my name is Auckland Smith.
1: And I am Jakob Philfos Christensen. So today we are joined by Anna-Lena uh, who works at uh, the European uh, University Association. And uh, We will let anna introduce herself in the uh, interview once we get started. but. The report, is uh, as the title says, is uh, uh, about the future. Uh, it's part of the Futures of European Universities uh, project that the uh, EUA is part of. And they prepared this uh, this uh, report that we really wanted to hear about as a foresight tool into internationalization. Um, so we had a brilliant conversation. Thank you to Annalena for doing the, uh, having the conversation with us. So I think we'll just say... Uh, Let's uh, take a listen, and then we'll be back afterwards with a with a, a bit of a,
0: a catch up. Uh, hi, Annalena, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Just before we dive into today's topic, could you tell us a little bit about your yourself, and perhaps a little bit about the overall purpose of the report that we're going to discuss today?
2: Yes, uh, thank you very much. First of all, for inviting me, I'm very happy to be here to have the possibility to speak a bit with you uh, on the podcast. So I'm Anna-Lena. I'm working at the European University Association in Brussels. Um, And we are an association of more than 860 universities and national university associations from across Europe. We don't only cover the EU, but the wider higher education area. Uh, So also countries in the wider Europe. And um, I'm working there as Deputy Director for Policy Coordination and Foresight. And what does that mean? Well, for instance, Foresight, things like this report we're talking about here today, falls into that field. So we do a lot of, besides doing advocacy for our members at European level and um, and talking to the EU institutions a lot, we do what we call horizon scanning. Uh, So we look Not at a crystal ball, but we try to look at the bigger picture of developments that are already upcoming and that are likely to influence um, what universities will be doing um, in the years to come. So we're talking about a time frame of five to 10 years. And of course, we have very diverse membership, so institutions with very diverse profiles. Some are more research oriented, others maybe more teaching or often a mix of both. Some are small, some are bigger ones. Some are very active internationally; others may be more uh, locally. So we cover that wide range, and we want to provide them with, um, yeah, food for thought as well. Uh, so this is very much the purpose of this report. It's uh, uh, coming out of a project which is called "Universities and the Future of Europe." I'm very sorry. Um, And um, this was started as an idea uh, at the beginning of or the end of last year, 2022. Um, Our leadership thought, well, we need to have something ready for after the European elections or preferably already before. They will be in 2024, in June. And we have to have something ready from the university sector uh, for what we want for a European cooperation for the next mandate, that is, for the EU institutions from 2024 to 29. And we were like, yeah, but that's, you know, just ask our members like this from the top of their head, what do you want to put on the table of the next European commissioner? It's not so easy. So we needed a process for this. And that's what we've done with this unific project. And the report we're talking about here today is one of the outcomes. And it's a bit of an experiment, but maybe more about this
1: yeah and i think that's i think that's good and it is an interesting product you have have out there and i should just uh, say right here to to people listening or watching that we will of course have a link to to the report itself in in the show notes um but yeah as you said if you just ask your members what From the top of the head, the, I think the report would just have said, uh, sent more money. Um, I think this is a, this is a more, a more interesting, (laughs) more interesting to discussion to, to, to be, to be had here. So, but to, if we look into the, um, the report itself, and as you mentioned, looking to the, to the, uh, uh, future, the report itself is, the first part of structured around six drivers has changed, as you call them, and based on those, then you build four possible future scenarios. But could you just lightly walk walk the listeners through them so they have a sense of what we're we're discussing as we go into it afterwards?
2: Yes, uh, maybe before starting that, I would like to just go one step back and explain. So I said the intent intention was to have these, you know, policy messages, which is something traditional what UA does. But we were like, okay, we need something else to actually look into the future. And so we decided to work with uh, future thinking and strategic foresight methodologies to precisely not start with, you know, we're trying to predict things, how they will be happening, or we're trying to set out a normative vision. That's what IWA had already done in 2021 with universities, without our goals, a vision for um, Europe's universities in 2030. So with this report, we said, like, we try to look into what are actually the, the current, um, things that will probably keep our members busy for the years to come. So you, know, we're very much looking at uh, working with university leadership and they are, of course, all very busy, uh, with all the current daily challenges they are facing. Um, so you thinking about the future might be a bit like, you know, well, or doing this in addition, we're not so sure. <laughs> um, but the message of this report is very much as well to say, don't get driven just by the external circumstances, but try to work with them. And that's where these drivers of change come into play. So uh, we do what you call in in strategic foresight environmental scanning. Um, that's what organizations, also yeah, universities, but also businesses do to, you know, look into what do they need to pay attention to in the next years to come. And we have these, um, six categories. So we look into, um, political drivers, economic and financial drivers, societal ones, technological ones, legal ones, and the environmental drivers. And these are basically all the big, you know, global challenges we're talking about uh, in the political fields. We're focusing a lot on geopolitical conflicts, um, political polarization, democratic backsliding. Under the economic um, drivers, we look into what is currently happening with regard to inflation, but also changing public spending priorities uh, in many countries because, again, of the political drivers that we're seeing. Societal uh, drivers are, uh, and a very important one is demographic change, what that means uh, for Um, our members um, in different countries, because those countries have different demographic um, developments across Europe. Um, Also demographic change leading to labour market shortages, then um, uh, new um, waves of migration, but also refugees due to the um, different wars and, and political conflicts that we're facing in Europe, but also beyond we look into the mm, technological drivers. There, a big one is of course further digitalization, but also hybridization of work. And also, again, what does that mean all for universities for their missions for learning and teaching, but also for universities as organizations, how they function. We look into uh the legal drivers as well. So there's all about uh yeah, laws in certain countries becoming a bit more restrictive. So there's a lot about uh, you know university autonomy or academic freedom how they are um yeah also threatened in certain um countries uh even in europe and then last but not least the environmental dimension uh with the sustainability challenge as the biggest one which is actually also in terms of the time frame of course the one that's always there while you know the financial one we can say inflation maybe you know this will uh, will decrease a little bit uh, in the further years to come. The environmental challenge um, is always there. So these are the six, let's say, drivers of change. And then we work with a methodology that comes from the Institute of the Future in California, a future thinking, um, think tank, actually. And we developed together in workshops with our members, with university leadership, Um four different forecasts. What are these forecasts? A forecast is um, a certain future, which is a possible one. We can talk about how plausible or likely it is to happen, but that's not what is the most important thing with this. So we work with this framework of four different forecasts, the growth one, the constraint one, a collapse one, and the transformation forecast. And our focus here as a topic is really the future of transnational cooperation of Europe's universities. So what are they doing together in Europe, but also with partners globally? And how is this influenced by the different drivers? So for instance, in the growth scenario, in the growth forecast, we're looking at continuous diversification of forms of international collaboration. Um, due to the fact that there are many people, including in universities, but also policymakers realizing we need to work together globally as far as possible, um, to address the challenges together and, um, to collaborate for innovation. And this could in this forecast be possible due to further digitalization to reduce the environmental footprint, because of course, the sustainability challenge remains there. So this is the growth forecast. Then we have a constraint forecast, which is um, much more looking into um, taking some of the signals of the current geopolitical developments that are, yeah, rather looking towards a constraint scenario for also university collaboration because Due to political reasons, it might be difficult to collaborate with certain countries and so on. So um, that would be a constrained forecast, a collapse forecast. is surely not what most of us would like, but of course it's also a future that we could look towards. What does it mean, yeah. a collapse yeah. of European cooperation as we know it or international cooperation of universities due to, for instance, Further political polarization, an extreme, um, uh, sort of environmental scenario where traveling would become difficult, um, and things like this. And then we look also at the fourth one, a transformation, uh, forecast where we have a bit of a two tier system. Some bigger, as we call them, European federal universities, um, yeah, as alliances of universities across the different countries in the EU working together and, and then, um, smaller, um, higher education institutions that would be nationally funded, um, and would cater towards more local communities. So these are the four forecasts. Again, they are meant for as tools for reflection. They are not so much, um, meant to be predictions of the future, but actually to spark some of the discussions like we're having them here
1: today. Yeah, exactly. Before I just, just let Lachlan ask a, ask, a, ask a question, I'll just say that you, you mentioned that, and I think what is interesting, of course, that reality is probably somewhere in between the four. Um, and I mean, you you mentioned the first one, the growth forecast, as, or it's mentioned in the report, I think, as the one most likely continuation of today. Uh, you could perhaps say that perhaps it's even perhaps more scenario four. That's actually what's actually happening today, and and uh, is perhaps more of a precise prediction of of if of a continuation. But uh, but we'll get we can get back into that in in just a uh, just a uh, in, uh, in in uh, in just a second. So, but in the report you talk about uh, values. And, and issues being politicized that just just mentioned uh, just a second before but you don't explicitly talk about diversity and EDI uh, issues uh, as as such Bishop of course uh, is our topic and you, you slightly touch it uh, on it on the student side but not really on the staff side and you refer, uh, refer to your UA report from 2020, and as you mentioned in uh, before, you had the strategy uh, that uh, came out in 2021, which is of course more normative than than a forecast report like like this. So I'm I'm aware we're creating a bit of a straw man here to to, to some extent, but still, it does seem strange to us, and it is a bit of a concern because the demographic changes that you mentioned, combined with the European values, uh, politicization of a lot of diversity issues, uh, even within Europe, uh, spells potential disaster within some of the scenarios described. Uh, So where where does this report leave uh, minority staff at EUA universities? Should they should they rely on the ambitions of the European Commission on in this area, or, or where what should they think when reading through this report?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned um, our other report, indeed from 2019 as well. And I agree with you that diversity, equity, and inclusion are important issues already now, and they will they are there to stay in in the future as well. We've mentioned it in parts of the report. Um, we have not gone into detail, but of course, uh, uh, the reason for this is that um, the UNIFE sort of focus of the report is on transnational um, cooperation. So we mentioned uh, some of the, the issues that will sort of be affected by the different um, forecasts or the, the drivers um, of change. We mentioned that, but we cannot in this report Go into detail, but indeed we have done a whole project on um, strategies for diversity, equity and inclusion in universities in 2019, where we have some good practice examples um, from our member institutions in exactly. And that was actually, I'm glad you mentioned that our intention at the time to say this cannot be just a student issue or just a staff issue. We need holistic strategies. Um, that was very much um, an outcome of this invited project um, at the time uh, as well, that we need holistic institutional-wide strategies for this that looks at all the university missions in learning and teaching and therefore also for students and staff. But um, we, what you can actually do, and I'm, I'm glad that it, it's actually already an example of what we want to achieve with a Unifei report. So with the, with the one we're talking about today is, uh, that it triggers some reflection. So you could actually take this model of the four forecasts and say, well, I don't want so much to focus on what it means for transnational cooperation of universities. I'm interested in the future of diversity, equity and inclusion in Europe's universities. So you take the same model. And you can play uh, with this uh, forecast and, and actually think it through what would that mean um, for people with uh different backgrounds um, in in our member universities, for instance. Um, what would it mean for people um uh yeah with different identities, different backgrounds? Um and uh yes, that in if we take the forecast like we have them in the report. Um, yeah, you could, uh, you could do the same and, um, and think through, uh, yeah, how it would affect, um, different groups of staff and students indeed. And we maybe as an example in the growth forecast, we go a little bit into that because in the growth forecast, international collaboration is diversifying, but more out of the need. That we have demographic decline in many European countries. So some universities, again, depending on their profile, depending how they are funded, depending where they are, um, may look towards recruiting more international students. We have an example in the report um, with a scenario, so a story set in the future of a smaller um, university in an imagined town in, in Western Germany. Uh, where we have an aging population, and this university um, looks towards recruiting more students from India and Africa, so growing countries. Of course, this would bring a lot more diversity to the uni- university, and in our scenario there, this also sparks some political discussions with the local politicians. Um, and that's exactly what we want to show. If this was to happen, you actually need to have even more than today, but we already have that need today a societal discussion on our values um on how to um accommodate uh needs of um different different groups and how to uh yeah to make the university as well a place where all these groups feel welcome and uh and part of of the community
1: yeah and i think to to be to be more uh, explicit I'll, i'll just Talk through some of the scenarios in just a second, but very practical example if you look at this as an internationalization, it doesn't have to go very far. I mean, we talked a, a here on the podcast a lot about the challenges of LGBTQ rights, in particular Poland and, and, and Hungary. Our last episode was about that uh, um, as, as well. But I'd also say if you look towards the UK and the legislation being proposed right now, even for people coming to the country who have uh, self identified as, uh, as, uh, as transgen- or who are transgender and self-ID laws in the countries have allowed them to change uh, their gender. Suddenly, for universities in continental Europe, you have to perhaps have to have, be in the discussion where can we both collaborate with Cambridge University and support our, our transgender staff? So, so and that's, uh, and that's why some of these concerns come for us. And where I think it becomes very, very real for universities sometimes when we talk about this and why I love this report so much. And I think it, as you said, it, it allows you to play with some of these scenarios and think them through in different, different contexts. And, and I think this is just what's happened within the last week or two. So in that sense, it can go very quickly. And I think it, pushes universities to have some real considerations about some of these things, whether you can, if you can uh, have your cake and eat it too, sometimes when it comes to, to some of these issues. And so to, to just, uh, yeah, perhaps I could, if we could just go through these scenarios. I would say that my concern is that, that as, a, as a gay man working with research, I'm not, not a researcher, but, the four scenarios; none of them are particularly att- attractive, <laughs> um, and 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 no scenario, who, short scenario, thought through like that, would, would probably never never be. Um, but in the growth scenario, things develop in the current trajectory. But right now, I would say that universities are generally pretty bad at dealing with diversity. So I'm not sure that's actually really a good thing necessarily. Um, it's not bad. It's it getting better, certainly, but it's not really good. In the constraint scenario, things uh, stagnate, and again, they're not doing great as, as things are already. So, stagnating would wouldn't be good. In the collapse scenario, it, yeah, it speaks for itself. Uh, the 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 name, as you said, closed borders. Perhaps uh, it, it mentions also more the more conservative uh, values often de- developing in in politics and then finally the transformation scenario holds some potential uh, as you also mentioned earlier but again it relies on a european agreement on values around diversity and i don't see that happening <laughs> so is internationalisation the enemy of diversity of of uh, personal characteristics for academic staff <laughs>
2: Course I it a small a question, question, question to, to yes. solve
1: here on the podcast <laughs>
2: <laughs> I would say no but that is a bigger discussion um what you point to indeed uh, you think um, none of the scenarios is really very attractive I think that it depends how different people read it of course and that's how um exactly what we wanted with the report um to say again these are not predictions, nor are we in favor of one or the other scenario. We're just trying to use um, the drivers and the certain signals of change that we are seeing already and try um, in these forecasts to see how they could play out in the future. And if one of the, um let's say, the insights when you look at them or you read them is, well, that's actually not a future I would like to live in. Well, that is a very important outcome of, for instance uh well of course, a personal reading through report, but this could also be done at a university level when you think about your university strategy and you look at these scenarios and think what does that mean for uh our uh university in our particular context if most of the university community and you would need to have a process to discuss that actually um don't really see themselves in one of these futures. What do we then need to do in the here and now to shape the future in another direction? And that's actually where, you know, you can say this is just a little bit of a playful, creative report, but um, this is what foresight does. It provokes a little bit. It often doesn't create consensus, but it sparks a discussion and a reflection. But for it to really be effective, you need to combi- combine it with strategic decision-making on uh, what, indeed, as a university or a university community, you would need to decide today so that even if, let's say, we have you know, geopolitical difficult situations, we cannot so easily collaborate with partners internationally, or we may also decide to You know, have our own policies around this precisely to protect you know our staff and their academic freedom and so on. Um, uh, Then this leads to some can lead to some really concrete things about what would you need to um, do today to uh, shape the future in another direction than one of these four. And of course, there there could be more that you can imagine.
1: I think you're right, and I think. If if I was at at a university leadership, I I think looking at these things and considering where where we are heading and putting all the things you're doing, we're of course thinking of EDI, but it could be a number of other topics. Putting them in 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 these scenarios and imagining how this is this would be developing would be be a big uh, big help. And I think particularly because the nature of research, particularly if you're in a large European university internationalization internationalization uh, is just the new black. It's how things things work. And looking at the developments around us, it does certainly provide some some more cha- more chance than before. And we were perhaps naive about it already. Uh, the, if we should say something good about the geopolitical changes within the last couple of years, it is perhaps that we have realized that. Perhaps the world is a messier place to to navigate, even as a research institution, than we perhaps imagined.
2: And um, maybe one word about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and what universities sort of may need about for this uh, to accommodate this in the future. I mentioned at the beginning that this report is, of course, just one deliverable, so to say, one yeah, outcome yeah. Of, our pro- of our project. We have another one. And these are the policy messages, and they are published at the same time, but deliberately on purpose in two different documents because we don't want to mix what we ask for in advocacy terms with what we try to provide as an inspiration and um, food for thought to our members for their own um, institutional development But one important thing that we have in the policy messages is actually, and that came out of the discussions and the workshops we had with our members around this, when we asked them, what do you need as institutions um, to fulfill your mission and in service of society in the future? Again, a big question. We broke it up into different ones. But an important point was, um, we need as institutions to have the capacity to Deal with diversity, equity and inclusion. Deal with sounds negative. That's not meant like this to actually be, um, places, uh, create diverse learning environments for people with different, uh, different needs. We need to have the capacity for this as institutions. Um, and that is one thing that we have in our messages. Again, they are very much, let's say, high level messages, but then, um, What we still draw on as well from our invited project in 2019 and the report that we had there on strategies uh, of universities for um, equity, diversity, inclusion is uh, that we need to simply, it sounds simple, but it isn't, raise awareness and create a discussion about these topics at institutions and also provide staff training on this. Um, That is, was a very important um, recommendation, both to basically our member institutions who are working with this, but also towards policymakers that that needs to be possible that universities um, train their staff at different levels um, to enable them, enable, for instance, a university teacher to work in a diverse classroom. What does that mean? If you have people from different backgrounds and to have the, simply have the capacity um, yeah, to have different services around this um, and to not just develop strategies on paper, um, but actually have the means to implement that with the community and to develop it with the community in the first place. So that is an important point.
1: Yeah, and I, I, that of course speaks right down. down that's right our down, down, right down our alley. That's what we're trying to, trying to do with, with the consultancy. And I think it is sometimes it is baffling to to when you meet people in the research community that don't realise how conservative universities actually are on society. A lot of them are anyway, as it's, and they perhaps have to. And how many think that? dealing with diversity is a question of being nice to everybody. That is, it's not, It and trying to convince people that this comes with actual skills. Uh, it is, is, uh, is, uh, is still a, a, lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, work, but that's a, uh, we have some of these uh, conversations with uh, Stefania colleague earlier on, when we talked about the, uh, uh, on research uh, assessment uh, as well. But I think, I'm very much looking forward to see those policy recommendations as, as well, and see how how they are being picked uh, picked up. But as a final question here, let's say I'm a researcher having listened to this, and I'm a black woman or a transgender man or neurodiverse or a combination of of, of uh, things. Where where does this leave me? What are the tools to use or or the institutions institutions to influence to make sure that the bad things we have discussed doesn't happen where where do I go go where do I what do I do with with this report in in hand
2: well I would say if you're if we yeah, I picture myself in you know being a researcher or um, staff um, in one of our member institutions I would say take this to the university leadership this report and if it's because you asked me about um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and try to play with the scenarios and use them for imagining what they would mean for diversity, equity, inclusion, if that is the topic you would want to bring forward at your institutions. Try to work with these scenarios and spark a discussion, um, maybe in the team where you're sitting, but preferably, and that's again a, a recommendation also from our invited project, if we want this topic to, um, to flourish, get attention and really get action at a university level, we need to have the combination of bottom up and uh, top down initiatives in the sense of we need to get the attention of university leadership. Uh, so that is, that is very important. Um, and then, yeah, use these, this, these materials, I think, to work actually there uh, where you are in in your place um, is is the most effective. What we do as European Association, of course, is we take these things to the European Commission. Um, And then our president, for instance, has a discussion with the European Commissioner for Education, Research, Innovation um, on these topics. That's the level we are working at, level of policies. Of course, that takes a long time, and there are a lot of discussions. They are also important, but I think what we need to bring together is what happens at institutional level in the very small with a a policy picture. So that's where we have this kind of, if you want to say, also a bit of a facilitation function as as European association. And that's precisely why we made these two things. The report is more for our members to take um, for them as inspiration for their own development and then... Uh, the policy work—that's what we do here in Brussels, and also with our national members.
1: And if I can add, add so just add something to it, I would suggest that they make it—they make it tangible. That they tell, like as I, I mentioned earlier, if you're a transgender person to to say, as things are happening, even as close as the UK right now, I perhaps don't feel safe going there. What does this mean for our collaboration with the UK? We might, of course, we should continue, but how can we still do that and make sure that I feel safe? And it doesn't have negative consequences for me as a transgender researcher that I can't go to the UK because otherwise we're not really dealing with this situation right. uh, um, as, as as it plays out in reality for, for that person. And I think that we need these kinds of reports that you've provided, both the to have these scenarios to to play with, and we need the policy recommendations, and that's what you do, and what you do in a high level institution. But we have to remember that it is actually people's lives we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's real people's lives we we are we are dealing with, and it will it will have real life consequences for our our colleagues within the institution at other institutions, or the students, etc. etc. Et, et so it's not just we're not just producing papers, we're producing the frames for how people's lives play out yeah. All right, thank you so much uh, for doing uh, doing this and we are really looking forward to see how this is uh, received in the in the public and the discussions it will uh, it will hopefully foster on in institutions but also in in a public discussion about how universities are are playing out and we will uh, um read the policy recommendations as well once they are out and uh, I would it would surprise me if we didn't have a comment or two on 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 <laughs> on them as well that we will we will post somewhere but uh, thank you so much for doing this and uh, and allowing us to to create a, a couple of strawman here to 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 foster some some discussion about um, about the future of european universities
2: thank you very much as well
1: and that was our conversation with, um, Annalena. As you might have, uh, uh, heard during the conversation, suddenly I took over. That's not just because I am controlling. It's also because I'm controlling, but it was also <laughs> because Lachlan's, uh, internet connection, uh, played a trick on us so he could follow the conversation, but we couldn't really hear um, him at some part of it. He could also only hear Annalena, not me. Some will say that's a benefit and not a problem, but uh, (laughs) for now, now, as you followed (laughs) along, uh, what were the, um, what were your takeaway points from the conversation with, uh, with Annalena?
0: Yes, it was. It was really interesting listening to half a conversation, listening to Annalena talk, and knowing that Jakob was there clearly talking as well, but I had no idea uh, really what 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 he was saying, other than the rough structure of the interview that we had. But in terms of takeaway points, I thought um, the the idea behind the report I actually thought was quite quite compelling, and it was quite useful. It was something that perhaps more universities. Should do or university organizations should do in terms of looking into the future and trying to understand where policy um, might be going to understand where the world is going, what kind of scenarios uh, could play out in different circumstances, so I thought that was really interesting, and I thought the idea behind the report being a a tool which universities could use to test different scenarios test how international collaborations uh, might work uh, for for them in their own national um, or economic kind of context was really useful. I think there's still a challenge around equality, diversity, inclusion, and internationalization that is is tricky to, to sort of get a hold of because essentially, if, if we're going to understand some of these scenarios from that a diversity perspective, it felt like that the only way we could do that at the moment is for those people who might be members of minority communities to actually put their head above the parapet, to put their hand up and say, "Look, if we're discussing um collapse or divergence or whatever it might be, where does the, where do we fit in to that?" And that's always problematic because it puts the burden back onto minority communities. Uh, so it's, it's it is a bit of a challenge, and I know. You know, I think I think in all the work we've done today over the last few years, it's it's pretty clear that for a lot of universities they struggle to get the right people around the table to have these conversations and to be part of these conversations. So it it was it's a really interesting report, and and to, to see what policy recommendations will come out or have just come out would be really interesting as well, but. I still feel like there's a slight missing piece of the jigsaw around, um, around diversity and, and how that fits into internationalization. And I don't know whether I've got the answer to that, but maybe this report is a, a useful step to help universities have some of those discussions.
1: It was interesting. We had this conversation about a tool because usually we'll have a report and w- then it would be a, 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 a product with some yeah as she mentioned there will be a report with policy recommendations and that's usually the report that we would be discussing here on the podcast so it was a a different Mm. kind of discussion and and tricky to um to do to get into but uh but it it was very um it was interesting, and I think it's some interesting, as you said, some interesting scenarios to to play out and play with, and see from a diversity perspective. Definitely, well, what are the consequences? And again, yes, this responsibility should be with the universities and not with the minority employees of or, or minority staff at mm. uh, at the institution. It also perhaps begs the question: Can we talk about universities in general? in in this sort of concept the future of 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 european universities Universi- european universities is a very different bunch of institutions on different levels different sizes different focus and yeah they are in different cultures where the, the role of diversity or the uh, rights of minorities and the cultural like, acceptance of different minorities might differ significantly so in that sense can we actually discuss a shared scenario for european universities particularly if you go into them and take it from from the view of a minority staff and i'm i'm not uh, i'm not so sure but it is an interesting tool and uh, we will of course be um, this will go out the same day as the report uh, comes out or or the day after uh, the latest and then we will of course also take a look at the um policy recommendations and probably um, knowing us we probably have opinions um so we'll probably uh, put them out there as well either on linkedin or or or, or somewhere if i if i know us uh, <laughs> And I think I do. But that wraps up, uh, season, um, season seven for us. Uh, thank you, uh, for, for, uh, listening. Thank you to Annalena and the people at the European University Association for, for, um, uh, doing this, uh, with us uh, here today. And uh, we will be back. uh, We'll take a short break and prepare for the next season. And uh, before uh, you know it, we will uh, be back again with uh, more episodes on diversity and internationalization in research and uh, research uh, management. Um, I'll just uh, read us out and then we will be back uh, soon. The Diversity in Research podcast is a Diverse Unity production. It's produced and edited by Peter Schong. It's hosted by Lachlan Smith and me, Jakob Feldvers Christensen. You can follow us on Twitter at DiversePod, that D-I-V-R-E-S-P-O-D. Remember to subscribe, like, and review wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with colleagues and friends. To learn more about our consultancy and workshops, visit www.diverseunity.com. If you have questions, comments or suggestions for topics or guests to cover on the podcast, don't hesitate to contact us.